Ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here, and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have on the show a guest that we have had before, which is absolutely fabulous, Michael McGrath from Oasis M&A. Now, you may or may not recall that Michael was last on the show almost a year ago now, so back in April uh, 2020, when the um, the world had gone into a bit of a crazy space with COVID. And Michael and I then were talking about the challenges that we saw at the time, how the market was looking at the time and what our ideas were for how this would unfold and for what, what the future really looked like in the short term and in the long term. And so we're back here again today to reflect on the last year that has been, uh, where we are in comparison to where we thought we might be, but also some of the challenges that have happened along the way. So in particular, Michael and I discussed doing a deal in lockdown. What was it like to do a deal in lockdown? What were the challenges? How did we get over the challenges? And in fact, we highlight some interesting insight that were revealed from the way in which we dealt with those challenges. And as Michael says during our discussion, some of those issues that happen in deals that were amplified because of the virtual way in which deals needed to move. We also talk a lot about what we're seeing in the market from both of our perspectives right now, and we're doing a little bit of crystal ball gazing once again um, to give you our take on where we think the market is headed in the next 12 months. And then lastly, Michael and I chat about what all all of this means for businesses who are exiting or even acquiring um, right now or looking at whether now is the right time to get back into the market, whether they're looking at an exit or looking at an acquisition. And look, Michael is very well placed to be my special guest in this discussion today all about the market trends, looking forwards and looking backwards, because Mike has been in business since the age of 23, spending more than 25 years, that's a quarter of a decade, people, starting, building, buying and selling businesses. And Michael established the Oasis M&A Sydney office in 2009. And Oasis now advise shareholders of private companies around succession and exit strategies in the 3 million to 100 million enterprise value range. So buckle in. Here we go with our discussion with Michael. Mike, hello. Welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast. It's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast once again. Thanks, Joanna. Great to be here. <laughs> okay. So we've got a few things that I want to talk about today. You've, uh, we've had an interesting discussion about um, the realities of you doing a deal in lockdown. And I really want to mm. talk about that because I think it's really interesting to reflect on this very interesting period that um, that we've been through. But then I would really like to chat to you about what we both seeing in the market right yeah. now because I think that's you you know um, looking backwards is super interesting but also you know where do we feel it's moving and what can businesses do uh, moving forward I guess so that's where I'd like to take it today but before we do that how about we move back a little bit uh, the last time we had a discussion I think was when uh, you know the world had just everything had gone mental I think it was around about April last year and yeah. you know everything was in a in in a really uncertain state and at that point you know the things that we were talking about um were very different to, to what we'll be talking about today which is fabulous and very yeah. exciting but let's talk about that reality so firstly maybe just a little bit of how last year ended up for you guys what you were seeing um i i, I when we spoke there was absolute breaks on any um M&A deals, everything was moving very, very slow. 
slowly, if at all, at that particular April point. But how did the year then play out for you yeah. in terms of deals? Yeah, look, if you remember when we were talking in April, um, you know, the the pandemic was looming large and uh, there was, uh, you know, there was there was a real concern on economically, uh, you know, we were in into lockdown mode, shopping centres were closing. Mm. So, you know, I think there was significant levels of uncertainty and we uh, were busy. I'm on the board of quite a few companies and we were busy. At, I was busy at that point. Mm. Uh, you know, doing a lot of crisis management, frankly. But it was crisis management that you're yeah. busy in, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and sort of deals. So people were ringing us up saying, you know, we're, we're parking this and we're parking that. We had one particular client and I'll come on to the deal later that was based in Victoria. And we'd sort of had a deal agreed with an overseas acquirer. And, uh, at that point, you know, uh, it was due to go into due diligence on the 1st of April. Towards the end of March, they said, look, we're going to park it. They mm. wanted to spend a few months considering where they were. They were a sort of billion-dollar business with mm. operations around the globe. They were making assessments. Everyone was really assessing, mm. okay, how bad could this get and what mm. do we need to do? Mm. And and so that deal got parked, and they said, their finance lad said to me, look, let's reconvene in June and, and consider things again in July, see if we can pick it up in July. We want to do it. We like the business, blah, 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 but we need some time. And so that was – and nothing got done by us in that quarter, transaction-wise. Mm. I mean, mm. we just went in other directions, if you remember. Mm, yeah. So I, I think that, you know, if you remember, you were quite optimistic. You were cautiously optimistic about the future. <laughs> I was a little bit more, oh, I, I don't see it like that. And it turns out that, you know, you were much nearer the mark than me. If you look at what's happened, I mean, our business did pretty okay. I mean, the quarter wasn't a great quarter. It was our quietest quarter ever. But we got busy on a lot of stuff. We did some rebranding work. We did a lot of advisory work. Um, and, you know, frankly, we just got, you know, we, we upgraded our technology. We really sort of said, okay, we've got to let's get busy doing mm. all the things that we don't normally get to do. Um, and then as we got into June, uh, the world started to feel a bit different again. Yeah. And, you know, people were coming out to play. There was no great, you know, buyers weren't starting to talk to us again. Whereas they hadn't really been taking our call. And I and felt at that time, actually, we started to see this emergence of this, this, ooh, now maybe now is an opportunistic time for purchases, you know. Yeah. So I, I think there was that. We, we saw a lot of buyer interest um, at, at that, around about from that, you know, June June to October point, that was yes. that was a lot of the inquiry that we were getting at that point. I don't know if you, you were seeing. Yeah. Look, we we get we have a lot of people talking to us, a lot of buyers talking to us, saying, "What have you got? What have you got?" We 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 discourage some of that opportunistic stuff because we find it's very problematic, and uh, most of the businesses that we're representing did have an enduring future. Yeah, and. So they didn't need to sell. So yeah. we try and stay away from that distress situation. And thankfully, uh, but but yes, you're right. We, we, there was a pickup. There were people were starting to come out to play again. I think. Mm, mm. Um, and and look, let's be honest. I mean, the stock market's low was on the 23rd of March because that was my birthday, and the stock market had rallied by June mm. significantly. Yeah, as it's continued to do, frankly, and the, and the property market, which there was great uncertainty about, I think, in April and May um, has has gone from strength to strength. So, you know, we are seeing, um, you know, two of the biggest indicators. And, uh, you know, we, we had GDP for the last quarter at over three percent. So we're seeing the key indicators just shrugging off the pandemic, really. Mm, mm. Um, and by and large, if you look at the macro picture, we're in great shape in Australia. I mean, mm. certainly compared to other countries like the UK and the US. Um, and, and I think that all goes well for us because the whilst you've got pockets of real pain, right? And it, I mean, I know unemployment yeah. is only 6.5% only. doesn't help you if you've lost your job. But, yeah, if you're in But that, if you look uh -huh. at the context on, on a swings and roundabouts basis, the, you know, the hospitality industry, the airline industry, these perennial losers in this pandemic, education perhaps, is being 
compensated for with technology and with resources yeah. and with other parts of the economy. So, yeah. yeah, the macro picture is quite strong. It doesn't help you if you own a bloody restaurant, I'm afraid. But uh, mm. so, look, the, the outlook's quite strong. If you look at the merger market report on the mid-market outlook, the Australian business buyers are saying that they're active. They all want to, you know, 65% of them want to do more transactions in this year um, compared to last year. So, you know, that's positive, I think, and positive for the economy too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? This this area is is such a uh, canary in the coal mine, but, um, you know, it's such an amplification of business confidence, this this area of acquisitions, because it really, you know, when, when business confidence was at, a really shaky point, everything just slows down. And then, yeah. and, and, you know, once again, as I say, canary in the coal mine, we can see that, um, that, that business confidence is amplified through this increasing buyer interest. And, and I think that's, that's where it is because, um, and, and of course this needs to be met with sellers yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, and I think yeah. many sellers have held back feeling that they're at a vulnerable period and they're not going to sell while they're at a vulnerable point. Uh, you know, yes. we had some of that, Joanna. So we had clients with very good assets that part them, you know, we sort of mutually agreed to part them in that quarter, April, May and June. And, you know, they are, we're talking to some of those again now. We signed up five or six new clients in the last half of last calendar year. Uh, so, you know, who was saying, look, business is okay, you know, see what you can do. Uh, mm. So, yeah, you, you you need the vendors. Like, there's no mm. point having the buyers and no vendors. So, mm. but we are seeing the vendors en- re-enter the market. And I think we're going to have a good year. I mean, you know, we, we could, I mean, you never know this early, but we could, we could probably have our best year yet. Fingers then, crossed. Gosh, I tell you what, that's um, that's a positive outlook from you, yeah. Mark. I love it. Yeah. No, look, I mean, we, we've got some really interesting things going on in transport. We've got things going on in food. We've got things going on in technology. And they're all doing pretty well. And to some extent, they've had a bit of a COVID boost. So I think that, you know, there are grounds to be positive and optimistic. And um, every transaction is difficult to do, as you know, Joanna. Yeah. You know, they, they can fall over at any any point yeah. so you've got to do the work but um but certainly we're seeing willing vendors i think it's sensible prices you know yeah. I, th- I think that there was a perhaps a bit of a gap a few months ago uh, at a sort of valuation gap i i think i think that's that's closed i mean obviously vendors want as much as they can get and buyers want to pay as little as they can mm. but we're not seeing extraordinary issues there which is you know what we can see at certain times, particularly in, in any sort of recession, but we're not seeing that at the moment. Um, and and uh, so t- picking up on some of the things you're talking about here, I guess if we're looking if we're looking then um, at uh, transactions that are on foot at the moment, I, I think many businesses will have seen some sort of volatility in um, their you know their revenue over the past twelve months. It's yeah. It's been very unusual situations. So how has that been reflected in the practicalities of how valuations are being undertaken at the moment, how buyers are assessing, you know, past volatility in relation to what that means for the value for the future? Yeah. Look, I think that most assets, not all, but most assets, most businesses struggled in that April, May, June quarter. So most buyers expect to see a flat end to that year financially. Mm. And then what they're looking for is they're looking for, well, what happened uh, July, August, September? And was there a recovery? And are we getting back to a normal position that justifies and, and suggests the business has an enduring business model and case? And I think you've got to be able to demonstrate that. I think you can't be in a nosedive and saying, you know, it's everything's all right. You know, don't mm. panic, don't panic. Right. Mm. So I think that you've got to have be able to show a bounce back and then be able to explain that, you know, using some kind yeah. of, you know, using your methodology, you know, whatever methodology, whatever stats you've got that, mm. that, that indicate how things are going. Those indicators have got to be pointing uh, in a positive direction for a buyer to take the business seriously. So I think, and, you know, we're talking to people about that. So we, we don't take a client on unless we're comfortable that we can tell the story. 
Mm. And the story's going to make sense mm. uh, because otherwise they're just wasting, you know, their money and our time and both of mm. which are important not to waste. So, But we are seeing plenty of assets that are doing quite well. I mean, and w- one of the things we are doing is we're taking out the stimulus from mm. performance, mm. right? So mm. there's no point having a load of stimulus and then adding it to your bottom line and expecting a multiple of seven on that. Yeah, yeah. No one's buying that. So you've got to make some sensible adjustments. And, you know, once you've done that and if you've got yourself a business, then I think you've got yourself a, you know, you've you've got to go and find a buyer, really. Mm. So we don't see huge issues. Now, there are some exceptions. So, you know, if you've got businesses in that aren't recovering yet, that are are still trying to find a a place and a market uh, and are being affected by, you know, continued lockdowns or, you know, other factors, you know, no incoming, you know, we've got a business that we were talking to pre-COVID that was in, you know, heavily dependent on the tourist market. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, yeah, that's in all sorts of yeah trouble. So businesses that are skewed to areas that are being affected, they need more time to reorganize. I think, Joanna. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess that, that's one thing um, that I've seen. Whilst I was very optimistic about the recovery um, and where we would be future facing, I was a little bit concerned about this um, cliff at the end of JobKeeper. But I noticed a lot of um, apprehension of business as, as a whole in terms of what it would look like at the end of that. But as we had the second and third you know, tranche of JobKeeper, I've really seen that businesses, even businesses who are extremely heavily impacted, this extra, this tapering period seems to have given them the opportunity to pivot, to work out ways to, um, you, you know, find other revenue sources or to work through what it looks like at least at the end of that period. Um, and, you know, and I think that's had a positive impact on business confidence, but I personally also think that that's also had a really positive impact on our transactions as well, because they, you know, which is, as we said before, canary in the coal mine, it's linked to the, to the business confidence. So I think it's yeah. been really interesting to watch this, um, this period unfold, hasn't it? Yeah. Look, I mean, the, on our advisory work, you know, where I'm on the board of only 11 or 12 private companies, they've all come through this remarkably well yeah. some a couple of them with retail exposure that was looking a bit shaky at the beginning yeah. but we've yeah. reorganized and come through that we've got a couple of companies that i'm involved in been for a long time in mining and mining services doing very very well mm. didn't really miss too much of a beat mm. so you know the the picture we'll call it dumb luck or judgment but the picture we're seeing is a very strong picture to the point where we're, we're on the buy side with a couple of those mandates looking for acquisitions at the moment because mm. we've reorganized and as you said we pivoted and we've stra- you know we've we've sort of re refocused the strategy and and now we think we know what we're looking for and why so you know that th- that's been um a big surprise to me i, mm. I didn't think we'd be here when mm. we spoke in April, you know, now, thankfully, we we don't have exposure in those particular areas that are in all sorts of pain. Mm. Uh, call that dumb luck. You know, it's, mm. that's all it is, really. But but the areas that we are in is is doing very well. And what we are seeing is a big push in technology. And by that, what I mean is traditional businesses take health, safety and hygiene I'm on the board of a company called GCG. I've been around for 10 or 11 years. The last two or three years, we'd set up a digital division. So we're moving traditional health, safety and hygiene in a tech direction and we're mm. future proofing and, and, and we're taking tech and we're applying it through our specialized knowledge mm. in a way that people are going to want to pay for it. I'm seeing that theme occurring all over the place rather than tech trying to solve tech, tech with, with in sectors using the sector specific smarts. We're starting to see great things happen in those areas. And I think that's going to be a theme. Uh, I really do. I think that's going to really split out the companies that are going to win in a sector versus the companies that are going to amble along, frankly. It's just been this massive, um, I, I guess, um, uh, fast tracking of innovation, actually, in reality. Yes. You know, that's yes. what we've seen. I mean, certainly we've seen it in the way workplaces 
can work, um, but yes. but in the way businesses um, yes. you, look, you know. look, I think businesses need some time now to catch up with the tech. Yeah, I think that the tech's up here. It, it, it was on Zoom, and the kind of stuff we're doing now it was all there. Yeah, but but now everyone's using it. My mom's using it. My dad's using it. <laughs> Lots are using it, right? And and. <laughs> Whereas, you know, 12 or 18 months ago, it was you were all getting on planes, we're all flying everywhere for yeah. meetings, that, some of which we could have been done like this at a fraction of the cost in terms yeah. of time and money. So I think, but in other areas, we're seeing that businesses need to catch up with the tech and start deploying the tech that's available intelligently to reflect their, their sector mm. uh, and the opportunities that are there in their sector to change the way the game's played. Mm. And, uh, we're very bullish around that as the next wave, really. I love it. I love it. Okay, well, I want to come back to two things because we did talk about doing this deal in lockdown. And, yeah. and whilst that is, uh, you know, looking at the past, I think it's interesting. I'm, I'm interested to hear about it as a story. Um, but it's not necessarily all completely past. You know, we, we could see ourselves in, uh, you know, pockets of lockdown again for the next yeah. few months, you know, potentially yeah. uh, until we hit this uh, magic point of vaccinations. And, and how the reality is we, we don't know necessarily what will exactly happen in 12 months' time. So I think it's really interesting looking at how you made this transaction work. So maybe just Take us briefly um, through the story of this deal and well, where you found yeah. this. So, look, I, I told you the beginning of the story, and, and I even mentioned it in the last podcast. So we got a buyer in Dublin called Glen Dimplex, and we had a vendor in Melbourne. And, you know, the deal got parked effectively. Our client's called Thermofilm, and the deal got parked disappointingly, right? Mm. But we picked it up again in end of June. We had a, a conversation, mm. and we kind of started to – moved back into serious conversations in July, and then eventually we moved it into due diligence again the middle of July, firming up the terms by and large. There was no great change of terms. The question for us and the question that we were, you know, the work we were doing with the client was on really looking at how the business was performing in April, May, and June in that quarter while everyone was off cogitating. (laughs) And and thankfully, our client that's in sort of heating products was getting a boost Getting a COVID boost effectively or certainly not seeing any detraction because it was a lot of its products were going to Bunnings and the hardware sector. And the hardware sector was flying, if you remember, because mm. everyone was working from home and, you know, yes. they were remodeling their houses or a paint. Anyway. Yes. Queuing so, at Bunnings, I recall. So we were able to go back to the client in July and go, here's the numbers. We haven't missed a beat. Let, you know, is it on or is it off? So that was the context. Now, if they'd fallen off their numbers and the outlook was difficult and that was going to be difficult, but in the circumstances, things looked okay. So we got back into due diligence, which was all being done remotely with Dublin at odd times of the day and night. We were mm. using a data room, obviously. And whilst this company, uh, whilst Glendimplex had a local, some local operations, you know, we were dealing with Dublin. And we're dealing with Dublin in a lockdown. And then their financial controller resigned. And then we were dealing with a new deal champion. And then they started to get external. So the whole thing became normally that kind of exercise might be three months for us. Mm. We've got to hustle everyone Mm. to get it done in three months. But generally, we can get a deal done in three months with an overseas acquirer. Mm. In this case, you know, it was close on six months. I think it was the 21st of December. So. There was an extra couple of months of agony, and I would say the remoteness of it all did not help. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was misunderstandings, there were miscommunications. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, we were kind of trying to rescue things regularly, my colleague Warwick and I. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, not uncharacteristic of many deals. You know, they they, they often try and fall over, and it's up to us advisors to. <laughs> Advisors Hang like, on with Grim. <laughs> so w- what we need to do is appeal to common sense and um, appeal to the drivers for the transaction, the reasons why we're we're at this stage. And um, we had to do that several times. Mm. And um, anyway, eventually, deal done at 1.30 a.m. on the 21st of December. Wow, right down to the line. I love yeah. it. <laughs> um, 
And and look, a good outcome for everyone. You know, client happy. I think the terms are fair and mm. and certainly satisfactory. The buyer's very happy. Uh, I think there'll be a good owner of this asset. The client's retained a percentage of the business, and they're going to crack on for another couple of years. And with the help of the acquirer, are going to expand the business. And um, you know that's already taking place. I mean. During due diligence, there were orders coming in from, you know, there was quite a lot of goodwill flowing. So in the end, I think it was a good outcome. So reflecting on that experience now, would you say that there's anything that you would take forward as something that can be looked at in in this sort of situation? You know, do we, we, well, I guess let's step back one, one step. Let's say, so what were the main challenges that you think created the deal to slow down because everyone was in lockdown? What what, yeah. what were those elements? Look, you, you've generally got a team of advisors on each side. So you've got the, the buyers themselves, the company and the major shareholders. Normally you want a deal champion in there somewhere. Yeah. So with good relationships and the client, more to the point, had good relationships at that level, John. Mm. And then you've got the client's advisors internally you know the finance the cfo mm. and then you've got the external advisors that they bring in right <clears throat> some of them based in dublin in this case some of them local and you know and then we've got our team so there's us as the corporate advisors on the commercial side then we've got we're dealing with the lawyers mm. down in melbourne we're dealing with a client and we're we're dealing with you know multiple shareholders you know mm. we've got three shareholders we're dealing with so that is like herding cats yeah uh, yeah frankly and well, so, at the best of times. At the best of times. <laughs> Even so, in good times. Yeah. And so, Lord Janet, you, you run a very successful legal practice, and I'm sure you're a very good lawyer, but lawyers, where it gets difficult for us is where the lawyers get a bit of overreach. So they yeah. go, they yeah. move from legal advice to commercial advice, mm. and and that generally, everything starts going south when that yeah. happens, mm. right? So we we're constantly working closely with the legal team to get everyone aligned and under so we're intervening where it's commercial and we're going mm. back to the vendor and we're we're, we're sorting something out mm. and so that that is a challenge that's a feature of doing a deal and mm. so we put enormous effort into this with the lawyers and Warwick might my colleague who doesn't practice as a lawyer, but he's he's a practicing attorney, but, you know, we're not lawyers. Uh-huh, we don't think we'd ever worked hard <laughs> on a deal than we did on this one in DD yeah. to keep it on track, and it was complicated. And the lesson for us is that we're going to get more involved in that area, I think, and we're going to set it up and frame it from the beginning, both in terms of the advisors on the other side, because I had to intervene a few times and sort them out, Mm. Because they, they're doing the same thing. They're getting into overreach. Mm. So the lesson for us is our relationship with the, with the actual buyer. We then introduce the client to the buyer, make sure that relationship's strong because people do deals with people so Mm. that when it gets off, we can go back to people do deals with people. Right. Mm. Because you are going to get these, Issues where, you know, the, you know, one set of advisors thinks it's one thing and another set thinks it's another and never yeah. the twain shall meet. And then people have got to take a view. Yeah. And, and that's our job really is cajoling that and then getting back to first principles. I don't know if that helps, but yeah, you know, um, yeah. And, and, and I think the challenges, you know, when we're taking that, um, as, as the concept of one of the issues and, and I certainly think that communication piece between all the parties can can create a lot of issues. But in lockdown, I, I guess what we're saying is it, it can be even more challenging during lockdown because if you're having an all-parties meeting on a Zoom call, it's a lot harder than, you know, when we used to have it in a room together. Uh, I, I guess that's a reality, isn't it? Because, you know, that in itself could be quite Difficult. I mean, we continued with all parties meeting. So, how, but how did you? I mean, in any event, you would have had difficulty doing that when you've got, you know, like so. one party in Dublin and and one in Australia anyway. But how did you navigate that challenge? So you're saying the first thing is you you had detailed discussions with each of the legal teams, and that's something that you yes. Would take forward. Look, look, in some ways, it was like every other deal. In other ways. It was like every other deal, but perhaps on steroids in terms yeah. of what could go wrong. Yeah. And so 
we have a set of principles here, right? Principles above personalities is the saying here. We've always got to go past the personalities and the egos and say, yeah. right, what's going on here? Why is this a good idea? And we're continually appealing to principles above personalities. And at times we're saying, we're having to be pretty tough with the other side. We're saying, I'm sorry, you're not going any further down this road. Take a view. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, these guys hired one of the big four, you know, that the, they can be a complete pain in the ass at times. Yeah. And yeah. you've just got to say, I'm sorry. You know, this is a small to medium sized enterprise. Go back to your client and tell him to take a view. But we're not going to provide any further analysis in that area. Right now, sometimes, you know, they come up with some good stuff and you've got to cop it because it's because they're right. But. Other times they're trying to make a name for themselves. And I think there was a little bit of that here. Um, mm. And and so we were having to decide what's a deal breaker and what isn't. You know, yeah. what? And, you know, the client has to take a view at some point and so, so does the other side. Yeah. Nothing. You're not going to win everything. You're not going to win on everything, no matter who you are. Yeah. So that's really our job is, you know, what are the principles Let's put principles above personalities and let's keep appealing to we're working for the client. What's in the client's best interest here? And, um, you know, let, let, let's have a conversation. And so part of that for us is deciding when to escalate something. So what do we got to thrash out and what do we escalate? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, look, I think you're talking about universal issues here. Yeah. I, absolutely. Uh, 100%. Um, and, and I think it's really good to talk about these issues because, you know, it keeps bringing light on the reality that, you know, ultimately we're all here to get good deals done um, yeah. and to get them through if we can. And it's about, you know, what's, how is it that we position the communication loop to ensure, you know, because I, I think in some, some of these deals, you know, as you're talking about where ego of some of the transaction advisors comes into play sometimes you got you end up down rabbit holes that you don't need to go down so yes. and and so perhaps when you say um uh the, the whole virtual nature of the um all, all of the negotiations during this lockdown period is amplified perhaps it's also because um you you know the advisors and their clients you know the communication loop between them is a little bit more strained yes down environment and no, i think you're absolutely right Joanna. that was what was going on really so there was a breakdown often on our side less so but Nevertheless, we still had to up our game there. Certainly on the other side, there was a breakdown about when did they refer and defer. And, and you know, the, they, they, you know, the, at times they ran off by themselves, really, yeah. and yeah. That weren't reverting back. And we had to work extremely hard, probably never worked harder, to keep the home side together mm. um, yes. and, and on side. And, you know, some of the issues are really frustrating, you know. Yes. you you think, you know, we had an issue with stock very late on at the stock take. And, you know, that that was very unhelpful and very untimely. Yeah. Right? But you just got to kind of deal with it and be pragmatic. And, and thankfully, we're a, you know, the, I think the buyers are very good. They took a view. I think we were accepting the situation and, you know, we, we did a lot of good work uh, to quantify the situation. Um so, uh, you know, the, the, there's no easy deals. Um, yeah. I mean, each one is a, its own triumph, as I said, over adversity. So I'm, <laughs> I'm delighted to get anything. That, that's from a quote. We must use that. Every deal is a triumph over adversity. I love it. That's brilliant, Mike. Yes. <laughs> We completely agree. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, look, that's really interesting. Okay. But, but good news. Um, deal's done and, and it was all happy faces afterwards. I, actually, just one thing, just one last thought on that whole discussion. I think what has become quite interesting, we, we talked about the role of technology and the, the, the changes in work environments and, and, and business focus. And a lot of this has been on the um, the ability for us to use technology rather than face-to-face. -face. But the one 
the one thing that I think is super interesting in what we're talking about right now is actually there is a lot of power as well in getting people together in the same room, like actually getting um, all of the parties together creates this, um, uh, create, often can create an energy that can help resolve some of these issues that come up throughout yes. a transaction. And, and I guess that that is the one thing that um, sometimes falls by the side a bit with, um, you know, with Zoom that we've had yes. to use in, in replacement for actual bodies within a room, you know, which is, yeah. you know, something interesting to contemplate. Yes. Look, you're, you're right, Jana. So, you know, an example of that is we do quite a lot of strategy work and we kind of sort of, particularly where we're on the board, so we're looking at that annually or perhaps even every six months, but certainly annually we're doing a review that, and that work is so difficult to do remotely, mm-hmm. right? And we've, we've done a lot of it remotely. And there's a lack of energy and a lack of creativity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've got a client in Queensland that I've only been up once. They opened the board. I've, I've been up twice in the last nine months. And it's just too difficult. There's mm-hmm. too much going on there not to be amongst it. Um, and And so that's been difficult. And I'm looking forward to getting... Mm. up there a bit more often and um i mentioned gcg the green consulting group earlier the health and hygiene guys and you know i was at the last board meeting saying let's see if we can get together as a group no matter where mm. it is you know in in, in maybe march time mm. or a- april time if it's covid permitting so you're right you know technology has been really helpful to keep things going but it has its limitations, and yeah. I don't think we're going to be rushing back to board, you know, monthly board meetings, face to face every meeting. But I do think we are going to need to get together and find ways to get together. I mean, connection still has a role, is and isn't that nice? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, no doubt. Particularly if you're trying to be creative and you're trying to come up with silly ideas to get a good idea, you know, it's probably a, a little bit limiting uh, online. Mm. And and then back to the transaction space. It also, I think it has this strong value in helping create this, um, this environment of greater trust. Because yes. ultimately, at the end of the day, when we have issues in the deal, I think mostly it comes down to, um, a layer of trust as well, you know. Yes. Um, so, yes. and, and that's where when the communication runs awry, we can see this different relationship of, of advisors perhaps stepping a li- little bit too far and then eroding maybe this relationship of trust between the parties. So Yes, I mean, w- we've got a couple of deals in due diligence at the moment. One's interstate, which has been a bit problematic with borders opening and closing, but, you know, we finally got there. And But it's taking longer, I think, because of mm. that. Mm. We've got another deal in due diligence where we've got two Victorian businesses much more closer geographically and there's been much more contact there and i i mean we're in early dd but i think that's going to be helpful uh, mm. in getting that keeping that on track you know time will tell of course i mean we're still in the populating the data rooms phase but mm. already there's been a lunch already there's been mm. contact which mm. very very helpful because people do deals with people and that's it you know yeah. trust is built it's hard to build yeah. trust any other way than spending a bit of time with someone. Yeah, yeah. Well, isn't this fascinating? And, and um, you know, I, I, I think it's so fascinating looking back and seeing some of these positives um, that have come out and also some of these things that we've really come to um, a deep realisation on in terms of the um, the positive impact of, uh, you know, people actually being able to be in the same space as each other uh, for some points of these negotiations. Okay, and so the last thing here that I wanted to come back to now, though, is what's the forward plan then for, for businesses? So businesses who were potentially looking at um, an exit, um, prior to COVID and, and then took a few steps back because they didn't want to be in the space of selling when they felt that, you know, their financials may have been vulnerable to being, you know, attacked. Where where to now? Where are yeah. we at? Is it time? Is it, you know, can they yeah. start moving now? Can they put this back on their agenda for now? Yeah. Or should they be waiting a while? Yeah, look, great question, killer question. Look, here's my take on it for what it's worth. I think that if your business 
is bouncing back and you've got an enduring business model, then I think the Australian market is well positioned for you to go and test that market. Right. Mm. That's it. Now, there's a couple of provisos. One is, depending on your size of your business and whether it's going to be attractive to overseas acquirers, I think the overseas acquirers, I think that's still problematic. So mm-hmm. our conversations with overseas acquirers, especially if they're not already domiciled here in somewhere or they're not already doing business here, th- those conversations aren't going because they just can't get it. Mm-hmm. And, they're, you know, that's too hard for most. So that market isn't there. Now, the local market, I think is strong, relatively, and emerging and re-emerging. I think some of the local listed players are going to start getting active locally. And I also think that private equity is extremely active at the moment. So, Mm. you know, we're dealing with that at the moment with one of the parties that I just mentioned that we're in DD with. So, and, you know, we sold a business, you know, 12 months ago to private equity. So we... We're seeing that sector of the market very active and looking for assets that tick their boxes. So, so now, does the, the reduction in overseas interest, is that going to affect you? I mean, I would say pre-COVID that, you know, half of our de- deals had an overseas element to them, mm. right? Mm. May, may have been a local onshore guy, but they were probably owned. So now, is that going to be picked up by the local market? additional interest because they can't uh, listed guys can't go overseas are they going to get looking in their own backyard i hope so Mm. is private equity going to mop up there's unprecedented levels of private equity interest and money swilling around looking for a home right zero interest rates we're hoping that will compensate so we would say to people considering it if your business has got an enduring business model what are you waiting for right no reason not to test that market as long as you do it intelligently and smartly. That yeah. would be our take on it. We'd say get back on the horse. And it's not a five-minute job anyway. You know? <laughs> well, and ain't that the truth, Mark? Yeah. Ain't that the <laughs> truth? <laughs> Oh, look, I love it, Mike. Um, uh, I think we've traversed some very interesting topics here. Uh, I certainly am glad to see, um, you, you know, where we are now in comparison to where we were in April, where we last spoke, um, as uh, notwithstanding that I was optimistic, we're certainly in, uh, you know, in a far better place. Uh, right now than we were back then. Um, you, you know, not, not us personally, but you know, the businesses, yeah, yeah. our clients. Um, and, and just, you know, because back in March, we, um, we, we had a number of deals that were still rolling along and, and some of those, you know, did continue to complete completion, but many of them paused, um, and some fell away. Everything came back towards the end of the year, but we, we got really busy in redundancies and we got really busy in, in that sort of area and, and, you know, and, and that it always, um, you know, it's just, it's a sad place to be when mm. that where business is at. But, you know, I, I can say right now our clients are hiring. Um, they're buying, uh, you know, we have aggregators out there who are very active right now. So I'm, I'm seeing some fabulous things right now and I'm super optimistic and I'm just really glad to see you are too because, um, you know, I, I think it means this is, um, you, you know, it's going to be a good year. And, um, and, and of course, for the businesses that are in really challenged industries, I, I think, it, you know, there's a strong argument that they really need to work out some pivots quickly because some of these uh, businesses that are in distress in those industries will, we, we may see longevity of issue there. And, and so it's just about finding new revenue sources. And we've, we've got some clients who've done that incredibly successfully. Yes. Look, I, I, you know, the swings and roundabouts concept is a, is a good one. I mean, if we can get back to interstate travel again and you look at the fact that we're not going overseas for holidays, that money's staying in Australia and there's yeah. a lot going on here so you know we are seeing a lot of that kind of shifting if you like of um focus and shifting in consumer behavior uh we're seeing pretty good foot traffic back in the um shopping centers right and pretty good footfall we're seeing year-on-year revenues up in the retail clients i'm involved with you know seven and ten and twelve percent up year on year so 
these are positive signs, I think, and you're hoping that, um, you know, with hopefully as few exceptions as possible, people are going to find a way to, you know, prosper in this, you know, uh, 2021 environment. Mm. And hopefully, you know, we don't get these breakouts. They don't spread and, you know, we don't get further lockdowns because I think it does hit confidence when we get a, you know, a lockdown or we get a border closed, um, you know, and hopefully as we mature through this this year, we can get a bit of stability around the interstate movement again for all kinds of social reasons as well as just for business. Yeah, yeah. But but I, I feel my feeling is um, with the lockdowns, every time we go through a lockdown, we we seem to be able to deal with it better because uh, I think as a whole, we're all learning how to deal with some of those challenges that first time round back in April and March, that was all completely new, you know, but but we, we're now getting yeah. a bit of a path for how to deal with it. And just as we were talking about some of the challenges um, for doing this deal in lockdown and some of the learnings that came out of it. Also, um, you know, if you had to do the next one again in lockdown, well, there's a lot that, that you learn from it, isn't it? So a lot that you can apply the next time around. So fingers uh, crossed, it's not yeah. needed very often, but, but yeah. I guess it's the learnings that are extremely useful in terms of us all innovating in the yes. way that we conduct our business. I think so. And I think communication's key. However we do it, we've got to keep communicating. You know, when we're trying to get something difficult done, we've got to keep communicating with the stakeholders at each stage. And, um, you know, we've got to be logical and, and principled in our approach because, you know, if we let the egos run, uh, that, th- that's the biggest way to kill a deal that I know yeah. is, is to get, you've got to check your ego, I think, yeah. particularly as advisors, because we like to be right. And yeah. there's an old saying in M&A that says, do you want to be right or do you want to be rich? <laughs> going to take that too. I love it. I love it. Mike, look, it's been an absolute pleasure. You obviously work with businesses in um, preparing them for exit and then guiding them through that exit process. How can our listeners contact you if they're interested in maybe, as you say, throwing their hat in the ring and giving it a go? Look, you you can jump on our website anytime, www.oasispartners.com.au and you know, you can contact us through the website. I'm sure you'll put our contact details in, in Absolutely, the show notes. Absolutely, we will. Yep. And, um, yeah, we, you know, me and the team would be delighted to hear from anyone that wanted to have a bit of a chat about if they're considering their options. Um, yeah, always good to try and be of service. Love it. Well, look, you've been of great service today, Mike. This has been a fabulous discussion, really insightful. And we'll have to get you back in another nine months' time and let's see where we're all sitting then. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that'll be we can then see how wrong we were again. Oh, no, well, I, I, I think for right. Fingers yeah. crossed. I'm crossing my fingers and toes, Mike, crossing my fingers and toes. <laughs> Thanks, Joanna. Fabulous. Thanks, Take care. Mike. Well, that's it for our discussion with Mike McGrath from Oasis M&A. What a great discussion that's been. I think it's really interesting to look back on what has been, particularly when it's looking back is looking back over such a tumultuous period, but also such a period of innovation trigger, you know, and it's really given us a lot of insight into, I guess, some of the things that can work really well moving forward, but also some of the challenges that many of us here in the M&A space face. Um, And so hopefully it's given you lots of things to think about. Certainly it has for me. And look, if you are one of these people who just want more information on all of this, well, then just head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com. There you'll be able to link straight through to Mike if you are readying your business for exit or you're working with businesses that are readying for exit. And on that website, you'll also be able to download a transcript of this podcast episode if you're one of those people who just like to read along in great detail. Bit of a warning, letting you know the uh, transcript on our website is auto-transcribed, so I can't guarantee it will make sense. Only kidding, it probably makes sense, but it just may not be absolutely accurate, so you stand warned. 
And on our website, you'll also find how to contact our legal eagles at Aspect Legal if you want to set up a free discussion, either for yourself or your own organisation, if you're looking to acquire or build to exit. You'll also find details there of how to contact our lawyers at Aspect Legal if you or your clients would like to discuss any legal aspects of sales or acquisitions. Of course, we've got a number of great services that can help businesses either prepare for an acquisition or an exit or help guide them through the whole transaction itself. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. So don't hesitate to book an appointment with one of our legal eagles through that website. And finally, if you enjoyed what you heard today, then I'd be ever so grateful if you popped over to your podcast player and number one, first hit that subscribe button and number two, maybe leave us a review. It's so fabulous when I hear from our listeners. In fact, I talk almost on a daily basis to people who say they're listening into the podcast, enjoying the content, and um, I'm always really interested to hear what you want to hear more of, but, um, but those reviews are always super helpful for us in extending our reach to other people who might find this sort of listening interesting. Well, that's it. Thanks again for listening in. You have, of course, been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast very proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au. 